The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in this place, God. You say where two or three or more are gathered in your name, God, your presence is here among us, God. And we thank you so much that we have this chance to be able to respond in worship with the love that you've poured out to us, God. Let your words sink deep into our hearts this morning. Let it ring true into our lives and out into our community. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys here. Once again, if I have not yet met you, my name is AJ Vega. I just started here like two weeks ago, and I have already been hitting the ground running. Last week, I was doing slides for the 11 o'clock service, and now I'm up here. So uh, it is great to be here. But I'm also excited to be here because we've been doing an incredible series of First John. How many of you guys have really enjoyed this series so far? Yeah? Awesome. That's really cool. I really appreciate that. Because in the first week we talked about in our relationship uh, with Jesus, it should look like the way that John had his relationship with Jesus as like a best friend kind of status, right? And so we also talked a couple weeks ago about how sometimes there are these antichrists in our life that get in the way that distract us from our relationship with Jesus. And then last week, Pastor Matt talked about knowing God is eternal life, that, that the more that we fall in love with Jesus, the easier it is to follow his commands, right? And it says that uh, Jesus says that his uh, yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so we're going to circle around and talk about love today and talk about our relationship with God in that love, but also how we love each other, how we uh, learn to love each other. And I want to share a story with you guys about a relationship that's really close to me, and it's with my brother. His name is Dan. Does anyone have siblings? Anybody have older siblings older than you? Anybody have siblings that when, you're, when you were growing up, you guys always got into fights? Yes. So that was my relationship with my brother. Me and Dan used to fight all of the time. It was like every day it was something new. We were always arguing about something. It was just ridiculous. And so one day, my mom decided to buy my brother some pajamas, because I guess he needed some pajamas, and he absolutely loved these pajamas. Like, he would wear them, like, all the time before going to bed. In fact, he would actually refuse to wear any other pajamas other than these pajamas my mom bought for him. And it started getting to the point where you know, as, like as kids, as you start getting older, they start to get bigger and they start growing out of their clothes. Well, it got so bad to the point where his pajamas started kind of like, like pressing up against his thighs and coming up over his ankle. It was really bad, really embarrassing. If he hears this, he's going to hate me for saying this story. So it got to the point, but he still refused to wear any other pajamas but these stupid pajamas. It was ridiculous. But one day we were getting ready for bed and me and my brother had gotten to yet again another fight. And it was at this point, I was tired, I didn't want to deal with him, I was so mad, and I don't remember the conversation about what happened, but I got so upset, I got so angry, that I was like, you know what, I want to cause him the most pain that he's ever experienced in his life. I'm going to hit him where it hurts. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy the one thing that he loves the most, those stupid pajamas. So I walk straight into the room, and I am fuming with anger, and I see those bad boys just sitting on the floor, probably smelly and I don't know. But anyways, I pick up the pajamas, and in my anger, it feels like this rage is stirring inside of me, and I feel like the Incredible Hulk, and I just scream this warrior cry, and I'm like, ah, and I destroy these pajamas, and my brother hears this warrior cry and hears the ripping of the pajamas, walks into the room, sees me tearing them, and he just completely loses it. So we're fighting, and we're arguing, we're screaming, we're yelling, and there are tears, and then my mom finally walks into the room, sees that we're fighting, 
sits us down and starts talking to us about our argument. And within the conversation as we're talking, I start to realize this was probably a bad idea. <laughs> and I actually started to feel like really sorry that I actually did what I did. And so within the conversation, my mom was like, you need to apologize to your brother. I'm like, okay, fine. So I take a deep breath. I'm like, Dan, I'm really sorry for ripping your pajamas. And he goes, it's okay. And I'm like, can you forgive me? He's like, yeah, sure, I guess. And then I ask him this question. I say, Dan, are we still brothers? And Dan, in the most loving way that any brother could ever respond to his younger sibling, responds with, of course, you idiot. <laughs> but in that moment, I finally realized what relationships were all about. I realized that the way I saw my relationship with Dan was how I saw a lot of my relationships, and even still, that the things that I did determined what the status of our relationship was going to be. But that's not totally true, because the unshakable truth is that, is that he's my brother, and, and I'm his brother, and, and nothing that I could do or say could ever destroy that relationship. So the question that I want to ask for you guys this morning is going to be up on the screen. How do you see your relationship with Jesus? Because I believe as we dive into chapter 4 of 1 John, the way that you see your relationship with Jesus affects how you see your relationship with other people. I'll give you a couple examples. So if you see Jesus in your relationship with him as this overly peaceful type of person, you see Jesus as like... I don't know, in the middle of Lake Travis on a stand-up paddleboard while doing goat yoga, I don't know, just overly peaceful. You really like the scripture where he just goes away from all the crowds, get away from all the drama, from all the people with their problems. You might see in your relationship with other people, we might see in our own relationships that when people start bringing up the chaos and the hell that people are going through in their life, we might tend to kind of brush them off with saying things like, oh, I'll pray for you just to avoid the conversation. Or, or maybe we see Jesus as this, this white-skinned, blue-eyed, just-put-on-beard-oil type of Jesus that, that we see in the pictures or in the paintings. And in our own relationships, we might treat other people who look like us a little bit better than the people who don't look like us, who don't look like the Jesus that we picture in our brains. Or maybe we see Jesus as this, this always-right Jesus, that in his relationships and his conversations with the Pharisees, he's always throwing out different scripture verses and always trying to stump them and asking a question within a question and always responding with questions and all of them are confused and Jesus is always right, that we might make it our mission to be quote-unquote politically correct or even theologically correct to try to share about God or to share about Jesus, to, to bring people into the kingdom with our own intellect when instead we're actually pushing them away from the Jesus that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or, or maybe we see Jesus as this white-robed, sparkling Jesus that's almost unapproachable and untouchable. So the way that we see our relationship with other people is that we tend to portray ourselves as having it all together when in reality our marriage is suffering, we hate our job, and we're going through financial crisis. You see, the, the way that you see Jesus affects 
how you see other people. Well, 1 John 4, 7, we're going to get into it here. And I want you to go to verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So, so John is trying to get at that we should learn to love another because love comes from God. Verse 8 says this. It says, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. So the way that we should see our relationships with other people should be through the lens of Jesus' love. And what John does here, I want you guys to catch this, because within the same sentence, John takes the word love as not only a verb, but also as a noun. And he also says to know God goes, just go back to that verse for me. And to know God is just, not to know God as this mindset, this intellectual mindset that we, that we know the Hebrew and the Greek really well or that we memorize scripture or we looked up God on Wikipedia and we know all the facts about God. But he says to know God is to know God in experience. And if we know God as an experience, that means that we experience true love because God is love. And if we know that God is love and Jesus is God, then when we read through the scriptures and we understand who Jesus is, then we understand that everything that Jesus has ever done for us is out of this intimate, beautiful, deep, personal love that he has for us. And because of that, when we read the scriptures, we can replace God with the word love. We can replace Jesus' name with love. So when we read, we, we read, in the beginning, love created the heavens and the earth. That love became flesh and dwelt among us. Love was killed in our place, and love rose to life for you and for me. We get to read that, that love loves you. Love loves you. Verse 10 says this, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we loved God, but he loved us first, right? That we should see our relationships with other people through the lens of Jesus's love, not through our own. Because to be honest, our, our love is broken. I know for me in my relationships with other people, I'm still that little kid that's, that's like the Incredible Hulk tearing pajama pants apart and trying to do things in order to receive affirmation from other people to secure myself in my relationships with other people. I, I love receiving words of affirmation. And that's a very selfish thing for me, but I want to do it so I can receive that acceptance that I have in my own relationships. So, so our love is, is very broken. It's very selfish, but his love is, is sacrificial for us. We're going to skip to verse 17 because it says this. This is how love is made complete in us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So John is trying to get at that our love needs to stem from Jesus's love to other people. But when we fail to do that, we actually rob people of the opportunity to experience Jesus. He says, in this world, we are like Jesus. And I, I think this is so important for us today because, because the reality is, is that we might be the only time people experience Jesus. Let me, let me say that again. We may be the only time that people experience Jesus. Verse 18 keeps going. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Our, our fears keep us from loving people. Maybe you've seen it in your own experiences before. 
Maybe, maybe it's the fear that, that you don't know enough to be able to share the gospel with someone who desperately needs to hear it. Maybe it's the fear that people will look at you differently whenever you're trying to share your faith or talk about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's with your coworkers or your friends or even your family. Maybe it's the fear that, that we're not good enough. That when we look at our, our shame and our guilt in the mirror, we think to ourselves and we hear these whispers, God, how can you expect me to show your love after all that I've done, after all the things that I've been through? How can I share your love? But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus took on our fears in the cross and in the empty tomb. That our fear of getting it wrong has no place in Jesus. That our fear of criticized social status has no fear in Jesus. Or our fear of of not being good enough has no place in Jesus. That our fears have been fully nailed to the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing for us to see that the one who fears is not made perfect in love. That perfect love drives out fear. So then John keeps going on in verse 21. He says, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Well, what does that look like? Uh, Pastor Matt last week talked about how he encouraged us to read through John 13 through 17 into John's gospel account. And so we're going to jump to John chapter 13 because there's a very specific moment that I, I believe that John gets to experience firsthand and understand what love actually looks like. And it's right before Jesus goes and gets arrested and goes to the cross and dies for our sins. He's in the upper room with his disciples and he's spending his last meal with them. And he does something that, that no other teacher typically does with his, with his followers, with his students. And he washes his, his disciples' feet. And he says this in John chapter 13, verse 14. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He's not just saying that, that we need to go and be, uh, that we need to be like Jesus and, and die for people's sins, but he says to go wash one another's feet. He's saying that we need to go and serve one another. But he not only says that, but he also recognizes that we all have dirty feet, that we are no different than anyone else. So when you're standing at an HEB and there are five people in front of you, because there's a cashier that's just taking her sweet time because she doesn't give a hoot about her job and she works nine to five really slow, she's no different than you or me. Or those really annoying people that have AirPods in their ear all the time and you don't know if they're talking to you or if they're talking to someone else, they're, they're no different than you or me. Or when you're at a coffee shop and you're trying to get work done and there's this really obnoxious person that's, that's cackling while watching YouTube videos on blast without any headphones in, it's no different than you or me. Because Jesus cleans our feet and makes us clean. Jesus didn't expect us to walk in here this morning with clean feet. Jesus doesn't expect us to go get a pedicure before we come to his table. Because the beauty of the gospel and the unshakable truth is that Jesus got his hands dirty for you 
and for me. And he wants us to remind other people of that same truth, to serve one another in that humility as well. And he keeps going in, in this conversation with his disciples. In verse 35, he says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That the world will know that we are Jesus' disciples when, when we invite someone into our home that we normally wouldn't invite and share a meal with them. I don't know, maybe that's through like a community group or something? I don't know, small plug-in. Or maybe that's when we're serving our community and serving the needs of the people, like writing to our pen pals at Baghdad Elementary that the world will know we're Jesus' followers. Or the world will know that we're Jesus' followers when we intentionally are the church day in and day out, not only to ourselves and to our spouses, but to our kids, to be reminded that Jesus loves me and and they, they need to hear that Jesus loves them too. Because what John is trying to get at in chapter four is that loved people love people. Loved people love people. That when we experience God together, we experience true love together. We experience Jesus together, the the physical, true embodiment of love. And I don't know what that looks like for you in your own personal life, but I pray that the Spirit would open up opportunities for you this week to be able to share Jesus' love for what you've experienced in your own personal life to someone else, whether that's through your words, through your actions, through your hands, through your feet, through your facial expression, that as people come to understand who Jesus is through you, through us as the church, that when people start to understand all that God has done for them and they think, how could God love me after all that I did? Can he still love me after everything I've done? Am I still God's child? We get the beautiful opportunity to share the unshakable truth of Jesus' love and respond with, of course, you idiot. Amen? I want to call the band to come forward, and I want to get us into a time of prayer during this time. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your word that it speaks truth into our lives, that it it convicts us to be able to, to share your love out into our community in places where where we might find fear and hopelessness and darkness and chaos. But God, you have set that all aside in in the finished work of your son, Jesus. And so God, as we come to your table and we receive your body and your blood, your bread and wine, God, that we are eating and drinking in your love, that it may overflow within us out into our communities, into our families, to our spouses, to our friends, to the people that that annoy us the most, God, and that you would create in them, Lord, that love that you have for them so that we can share it with other people. It's in your son's most loving name that we pray and all God's children said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.